You're listening to the Changing Lives Podcast, where we talk with health professionals, industry experts, and everyday heroes, changing lives on the front lines through emergency healthcare. I'm Ben Cleaver. And I'm Tim Buxton. Well, welcome to another episode of the Changing Lives Podcast. Yeah, it's exciting to have you with us today. You are not going to want to miss that. You are lucky. Yes. To be listening to this episode. This is fascinating. Yeah. We have on the episode today, Sean Golding, uh, an APC uh, graduate of the Mm -hmm. Diploma of Paramedical Science, Mm -hmm. a registered paramedic, an airline captain of some decades, Mm -hmm. um, started way back uh, in his teens, um, did his first solo flight before he got a driver's license. And if that's not an indication for what you're going to hear more about his achievements and the and the things that he's he's done in this interview, um, I don't know what else could be. It's a cracking interview. The guy's just full of advice, full of life lessons. Mm. Um, if you're on the journey um, t- of study or if you're thinking about it, you're just gonna you're gonna come away with so many um, so much encouragement, so much insight into really the opportunities ahead for you. Um, and, and I think inspiration is someone that's out there doing it. Um, and j- yeah, just really, really, really enjoyed our chat with him today. Yep, and you're also gonna hear about um, things like he's, he's a world record holder, mm. um, uh, flying the, the longest nonstop flight, and even how his diploma in paramedical science and um, and his medical knowledge yeah. led him into research, fatigue research, and into that almost accidental yeah. world record. Absolutely fascinating story. And Sean is such um, uh, a grounded, yeah. <laughs> in a sense, grounded, the pun there, but uh, grounded and a real just curiosity for life, which has yeah. driven him from obviously a young age to multiple industries yeah. um, with that sense of curiosity. And what else can I learn? So you're going to get so much out of this episode. I can't wait to get into it. Yeah, let's do it. So I I constantly review things. Like I'm finding, even though I've finished the course, there's still so much to learn and there's still so much to revise um, because... I can't remember everything, I think, unless you've got a photographic memory, which I don't. I've got to constantly go over things. Um, so I will spend, you know, potentially before a shift an hour, maybe two hours if I'm getting into it, uh, just learning about other things. I'll ask people. Um, we, we forget there's other people with a lot of experience out there to ask as well. So rehearsing things. If I'm sitting at an event, for example, uh, I'm, I'm working with some very experienced um, paramedics that have been in the, the state system. And I'll just sit there and say, hit me with some scenarios. Just let's go over things together. Uh, gives me a chance to pick their brains. They've been doing it for 30 plus years. Um, what a resource to have next year and not use. Uh, so that's how I prepare. I read, I talk to people, I ask questions. I think about scenarios myself. What would I do if this happened? So it's a, it's a constant, constant process to, to improve yourself. And you're never gonna know everything. Well, Sean Golding, thanks so much for your time today. I'm really looking forward to having a chat. Great. Thanks, Ben and Tim. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and I'm really looking forward to it also. Yeah, it's great to finally meet you, mate. Thanks you for too. Di- thanks for dressing up for us. Um, oh, I'm about to start work, so it was actually not put on. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And we'll go into what you're doing at the moment. Obviously, you're operating as a, as a paramedic, a registered paramedic. Yeah. Um, you're on site. Uh, you probably Is it chilly down there? It's freezing cold. I think it was about minus four last night, so uh, nice and toasty in the room, but I'm about to venture out in an hour or so. Can you tell us where you are? I'm down in Cooma, uh, just south of Canberra, and uh, we're here on a deployment to support um, uh, the the, the influx of of skiers over the winter season uh, with the increased demand. Excellent. So... You're, as I said before, operating as a, as a paramedic, but you're an airline captain, and this has recently been highlighted on TV. Uh, congratulations <laughs> uh, for your appearance on Sunrise just uh, a couple of weeks ago. What was that like? Thank you. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a great experience, actually. It was, it was good to, to share what I'm doing with others. Um, one of the reasons I went on, on the Sunrise program was really 
to show that you know if if people are, are facing you know tough times like we are as pilots none of us are working and we don't even have a, a start date yet it could be as late as next year sometime mm. uh, being an international pilot so you know it's it's a matter of just you know you're facing a tough time rolling up your sleeves and just getting the job done um, it's an opportunity rather than a setback that's how I'm looking at it which is which is driving us forward which is it's great and if I can show that to other people then and, and help them and inspire them to do something and and take something positive away from it then that's that's a that's my job done I'm happy to do that and that's that's why I did it on, on sunrise well yeah yeah I mean and I would say you know from a pilot to kind of choosing paramedicine you know, and becoming you know a paramedic I mean that's not necessarily the the in my mind at least I would have thought a, a natural progression but maybe there is and maybe you could kind of give us a bit of an insight of as to you know um, you know why you went down this pathway of being a paramedic from being obviously a successful pilot um, can you yeah. can you talk a bit about that that pathway yeah, where that interest it's a good sparked? question absolutely I it's a, I went I went about it in, in quite a roundabout way um, because previously I have been a, a scuba diving instructor and mm. one of the um, issues that I came up with was wanting to have more capability to manage you know my students if something was to happen and I was just doing that very casually on the side while I was flying it's always been an interest of mine you know, since I was you know late teens um, and so I started exploring some more senior first aid courses and the more I looked at them the more I realized that I actually wanted more I wanted to d learn a little bit more than they had to offer so I started then looking at what other options were available and I came across um, the uh, a diploma of paramedical science with APC and it, it really suited me just in terms of the flexibility it offered because I I was working full-time and I couldn't commit mm. to you know certain hours of the week because my hours were all over the place so I, I thought look I'll give it a go I hadn't studied for a while um, and it, was a, it was another challenge and I thought well I could probably use my time sitting in hotel rooms when I'm away a little better than what I was uh, getting through a lot of Netflix was probably not the most productive thing so look I, I signed up um, and from the moment I started studying I just loved the subject material I loved learning I loved what it was about. I loved the fact that there was an outcome that I could actually get a formal qualification and actually use it to do something. So it took me just on two years to complete um, studying part-time. I was doing other courses in the meantime at work. So it was a little bit of a juggling act, but we got there. Um, and so, yeah, pretty much from the moment I started studying, I realized that I would like to do, do this, you know, even on a part-time basis. I wasn't going to replace my career. But it was going to be something that I did in addition to my career, just for self-fulfillment and satisfaction. So that's why I did it. And, you know, I'm, I'm still loving it. It's great. And it's given me a good opportunity. I didn't plan for this, but it's just so happened that given that I'm not flying anymore, now I get to do this instead, which has worked out really well. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, and no one could have anticipated this, and it's just, it, it seems like... Um, you maybe had some sort of inner leaning to uh, to get into this to to, to prepare now, um, which is amazing. You're you're a, we want to get into you know your career and journey and stuff like that. And it, you're a world record holder uh, for the longest non-stop flight. But it, it, you talked about being interested in paramedicine, but you've ticked all these boxes in an industry. What what is it that made you want to try something different I I pretty much in my aviation career I've achieved I've been given a lot of opportunity and I I have achieved a lot of what I set out to achieve and it's been an amazing career very rewarding um, I've been flying with Qantas for 30 31 years now um, I've been flying since I left school I could I, I, I got my pilot's license before I could drive so it was it was something that I was immersed in for you know over three decades, and I just wanted another challenge. Uh, I just wanted to do something that I could use, that I was interested in, that I could exercise my brain, and and learn a new skill. And 
I don't want to ever stop learning. And I don't think mm. any of us can stop learning. Every day is an opportunity to learn something. So for me, it was just formalizing that learning, presenting another challenge and getting a skill set that even if I didn't make a career from, was still useful. I could still mm. use it. And I've used it you know, a, a numerous times already. I've had people collapse in supermarkets and I've been able to walk over there and you know, give them a hand and um, and and stabilise them until you know, the, the the emergency paramedics arrive. So, anything like that is useful, um, especially if you can help somebody along the way. Yeah, well, I love that how you highlight the fact that it is something that you can kind of utilise regardless of whether there's a career. It's something that to add to your um, you know arsenal of knowledge and 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 practice, yeah. the ability to always be prepared to help people in any circumstances. So that's. That's, uh, yeah. you know, I find that really, um, you know, uh, important um, yeah. to, to know. How about, though, have, have you seen any crossover in how it's maybe enhanced your, um, your ability as a pilot in your careers? Are there similarities? Are there any, any differences in, 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 yeah. in the roles that kind of those dual roles and, and kind of skill sets that you have? Yeah, another good question, and it, and there is a lot of similarity. There's a lot of similarity in that it's that there's a lot of procedural based processes to follow. Now we work in at times very high pressure, time critical environments. Um, there's 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 immediate actions that we need to remember as a pilot, just as there is in a paramedic. Um, there. There's a lot of acronyms to remember. I can't remember them all. In fact, I'm, ha- I'm saving them on my phone. There's just too many. Do you make between, up your own acronyms? Uh, I, I have acronyms for the acronyms. <laughs> so it's, I can't remember them all. But um, yeah, in terms of the, the similarities, yeah. And it's again that, that, that sense of not knowing what you can expect each day. You yeah, just yeah. don't know what you're going to walk into. So I'm about to start a shift now. And although it's lower acuity than the uh, emergency paramedics, mm-hmm. uh, you're still dealing with quite sick people. Um, and you don't know if they got, they'll deteriorate on you. You've got to be prepared for anything, really. And that's what I love. And that's what the same as aviation. We just don't know what's going to happen. Hopefully, it's routine. I like mm-hmm. it routine. But mm-hmm. we're also prepared if it's not. And it's the same with paramedicine. You know, you like it generally routine but you still need to be prepared if it's not. So they're the kind of similarities, they're the mindset, it's analyzing risk, it's running through processes, it's communicating, working as part of a team. Uh, all of these elements are, are very similar uh, between aviation and paramedicine. Yeah, I, I kind of, the thought comes to my mind, you're up in the sky, do you have like a saying where you you don't say to the other co-pilot, gee, it's quiet up here, or it's just a, a, a very <laughs> smooth ride so far is, is you know, as you alluded to, yeah. this, this love for the routine and, and that's that. it. Oh, look, <laughs> I tend not to say things like that. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you might think it, but we just don't say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Murphy's Law will get you every time. <laughs> exactly. He's waiting around the corner for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're obviously, you know, obviously you've, you've, you're very prepared if something were, were to happen and, uh, um, that's, uh, that's why we love our pilots. We know that they're thoroughly trained. And, and in, in that, I noticed as I was kind of reading a bit about your bio, you've, you've designed actual training procedures. Um, and you're not only yeah. the, 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 what, the top. I mean, I remember flying on the Dreamliner, and that was a nice plane. It is. <laughs> I, I it's very a beautiful plane. Must, it's probably a lot different to fly than it is to uh to uh, sit in and enjoy, but yeah, tell us a bit more about you know. I'm curious just just a bit more about some of your um, your achievements there within within the training side of things. Yeah, so I I went and uh, years ago I studied for a diploma in workplace training, and so once I got that diploma, uh, I was already an instructor with Qantas. I started instructing uh, in 2001 as a junior uh, a junior instructor. Um, and then I worked my way up through the instructor ranks um, to to become uh, what they call a Category A instructor, uh, which meant that we could take an empty aeroplane with our students and, and fly around Avalon Airport doing uh, what we call circuits. So the plane would land, and then it would you would put the power on, and off you would go again. And we, you know, basically a takeoff and landing every six minutes as we fly around the airport, um, which was kind of fun. So that was that was the epitome of my instructing uh, when I was flying the seven six seven. Um, 
And then uh, after I finished that diploma, I got invited in to have a look at redesigning the Qantas training, uh, pilot training program. And that program took, uh, well, that process took rather 18 months to do. So we designed at that stage, that was over 10 years ago now, we looked at all the, uh, the, the, the flying programs uh, in the simulator and on the aircraft and on the ground school. So from a pilot literally commencing with Qantas to finishing, we looked at pretty much every, every training aspect. And yeah, we we designed that that system, um, which you know by and large it's it's been changed a little over the years, but but the core elements are still there, which we're very proud of. Because mm. uh, I led a team of eight people on that, and uh, yeah, we all worked really hard to get that done. It was fantastic. So so that was a really big achievement um, to do that. And and then once I finished that, I went on to become uh, the training manager on the seven six seven. So I was looking after pretty much. All of the 767 pilots and all the aircraft. Wow. I think at the time we had about 29 767s. We had about 400 pilots. Wow. Uh, and about 40 instructors. So I pretty much looked after all of that. Um, dealt with the, the the government, with the regulator, um, our own internal policies, and so on. So that was quite a, a challenge. I did that for a couple of years, wow. and then um, pretty much then came back. Uh, did it almost a full circle, and just came back. And uh, I was a, a flight examiner. Uh, teaching in the simulator so we have various categories of instructor so in the simulator um, we we train and we also test people so in fact the simulators are so good we can actually train people to and I can sign off on their license to fly a particular aircraft and they would have never have even set foot in that aircraft so they wouldn't have even seen an aircraft and I can still sign them off as having licensed to, to fly it so the, the simulators are that good wow. yeah which right. is great. So, and I, and I and I took that role on, and then I go home and I have a kind of normal life, and I only fly for half the time. But when I went onto the Airbus, uh, I wasn't an instructor, so I was flying all the time. I had a lot more available uh, time mm. in the hotel, and that's when I started to get a little bit edgy and wanted to do something, and that's what led me into the paramedicine, as I said earlier. So, yeah, my time away sitting in hotels was spent doing assignments for APC and submitting them and making phone calls when I had questions and um, it was just a better use of time that I could do something with rather than sit around and watch TV or read a book Um, so it was good and then then I I, uh, the Qantas were announcing that they were getting the 787s and I applied to be an instructor on the 787 um and yeah, I got the job, and yeah, I've been on the seven eight seven since uh, the beginning of twenty seventeen as an instructor, and it's been awesome. Um, the, the guys I work with are great. Uh, the airplane's great, so it's mm. a really, really uh, nice place to be uh, working. Um, and then I, because I've done did the paramedicine, I finished that. Um, I got invited onto our fatigue safety action oh. group. Uh, which basically studies fatigue and the effects of fatigue on uh, all, all our pilots. And that's what led me into doing the New York-Sydney flight because mm. I was the 787 representative on that team. Um, this was all about fatigue research. So that flight wasn't supposed to be a record-breaking flight. That was not, that was not the purpose of the flight. The purpose was to study the effects of ultra-long-haul flying. So... Wow. We were rigged up with a whole bunch of equipment. We had EEG. Oh, my we goodness. Had, the inside um, scoop. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So it was, uh, you know, we had light meters. We had Acti watches. We were doing sleep diaries. It was it was weeks of study. We were human guinea pigs. So that was the purpose of the flight. It wasn't it wasn't actually to go and break a record. That was just a secondary, um, a secondary effect of the flight. So we spent months preparing for this. Uh, and we had um, university researchers working with us. We were developing a lot of the research protocol that the pilots would be doing on board. Um, so that was a fairly big task. And then, yeah, on, on the 20th of October last year, we touched down mm. after that big flight. And, and I remember coming in, my co-pilot kindly reminded me that a few hundred thousand people will be watching my landing and not to stuff it up. <laughs> so... <laughs> How's that for some pressure? Yeah, that was just... 
a nice nice comment to take the pressure off. So, <laughs> uh, but fortunately, it worked out. I looked at, looked at it on TV afterwards and said, "Oh, that was okay." <laughs> so, yeah, that was probably the highest pressure pressure moment in mm-hmm. the flight. Um, <laughs> getting the touchdown with oh all the viewers watching. Oh so, uh, it was good. So that's that's kind of how I ended up here, and then obviously working. Uh, I wanted to keep the skills as a paramedic up, so I was working part-time doing event paramedic and patient transport paramedic work. Um, and then, yeah, literally just fell on my feet with, with COVID when it hit. Uh, we had no time. You know, we had an announcement, literally we had about two weeks, I think, to prepare. Uh, we were told the borders were shutting and we wouldn't be flying. Goodness. And that was it. Here I am mm. in Kuma. <laughs> wow. Can I... Um, so... Sean, can I just clarify, you you mentioned before, and this is so, so interesting, this fatigue research, but your diploma study, that led into that research, is that correct? It did, it did because of the physiology of the fatigue, it's very, it's got a a medical-based approach to it, and I was working a little bit with the doctor out at Qantas, who's our head of medical services at, at Qantas, and he actually made the suggestion that maybe you should go and get on board with this group because, you know, you've got some background in it. It's not directly related, uh, but there's elements of the physiology that I'll understand a little better 100%. because I've got some background in it. So that's why I got on board. Amazing. The, yeah. Mm. Wow. And, okay, just for me as a... Um, you know, relatively simple, very simple idea of what it takes to fly an aeroplane. I'm thinking like, you know, big deal, Sean. Um, you know, you need a, a big uh, fuel tank to get from uh, New yeah. York to Sydney. But, you know, what else do you need? <laughs> you need a good bed <laughs> to sleep in. Um, yeah, the fuel the fuel was the critical component to that one. We were running, we were running flight plans. Uh, literally daily to make sure that with the wind components, uh, with mm. the aircraft weight and so on, that we would actually make it. Um, and their flight plans were looking pretty good. They were they were indicating that with the passenger load and the fuel we had, we'd actually make it. And so that was quite comforting until the night before when I was out at dinner and we had a text message from the flight dispatch people saying that the winds had picked up mm. and it was looking marginal. So... Yeah, that was a little concerning. Um, the next day, however, it improved again a little bit and, and we were okay. But we were topping those fuel tanks up. You know when you're at the service station and you're wanting to fill your car up and it clicks off and then you want a little bit more. So yeah, you pull yeah, yeah. the trigger <laughs> and you try trying. We were doing that on the airplane. So <laughs> we were just topping it up. And uh, I remember we topped it up and we had 101.3 tonnes of fuel. So, uh, and we landed in Sydney with 4.7 tonnes of fuel. So we burnt, you know, 96 and a half odd tonnes. Yeah, 96.6 tonnes of fuel to get so, there, which was yeah. good. 95%. Yeah, yeah, we made it. That was the main thing. <laughs> <laughs> but what else right. do we need? Uh, look, the, the fatigue research was indicating, um, although we were experimenting with a lot of stuff, we were experimenting with the timing of our rest breaks, we were experimenting with what meals we were eating, uh, we were uh, experimenting with lighting because light does affect your ability to produce melatonin, so mm-hmm. therefore, which affects your sleep, sleep quality, um, noise levels. We wore these EEGs. There's some photos going around with us wearing these, these headbands and uh, basically just measuring brainwave activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and the researchers were doing that. That research hasn't been published yet, so I, I actually haven't seen the results. But I'm hoping we get some pretty good information out of it. Yeah, really pushing the human and the machines to the limits. Yeah. Yeah, man, that that's so insightful. Like here we are, just thinking it's a, it's just an attempt to 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 beat the previous record by a few yeah. minutes. But here you are, like conducting all this research. But yeah, I, I'm kind of curious. Um, obviously, you you've been in. You know, you've got a lot of experience and things probably always haven't turned out to plan, haven't, haven't gone to no. plan. Can you, can you kind of sh- share maybe an experience or, 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 you know, just give us some insight into, you know, those moments when, when things don't, don't go to plan or when, when, 
you know, um, yeah, you wish Look, you could I, have I your time back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you mean generally, or you mean in the aircraft, or just anything? Just a, a you know, maybe a story yeah. where things haven't gone to plan, and and how it played out, and how it maybe you took it as a you know learning experience in yeah. your career. Look, that happens often anyway. Um, I, I always try and develop a plan B regardless of what I'm doing. Um, mm. I, I try and talk to my kids about that, that, you know, you've always got to have an op- another option. Don't ever put yourself into a corner. Um, and that in aviation is often is taught to you from the beginning. Um, I remember, you know, early on when I was flying small aeroplanes, um, you, you would be so conscious about the weather. You had to fly in good weather. We couldn't fly in clouds at mm. that stage of my training. And, you know, weather conditions can change very quickly. I remember one one um, uh, incident where I had a partial engine failure on takeoff in a small plane. And, you know, even on a takeoff, having a look at where I could possibly land if the engine did fail. Uh, you talk to any um, small aeroplane pilot and that's generally what should go through their mind. If it doesn't, it should. Right. Um, so constantly thinking about contingencies, constantly thinking about the what-ifs, putting putting some measure of risk uh, when you're making those decisions, looking at what the risks are if I did option A versus option B. Wow. Um, so it's kind of ingrained in the way I think, and, I think, and, and pilots generally do think that way. Um, and I certainly try and teach my students to think that way. Uh, because if you've got a plan B, if you've got another option, no matter what it is, whether it be you know in life, like what's yep. happened to me now, mm-hmm. uh, I've not I've got no flying work, so this is my plan B. <laughs> um, I've got other things that I'm doing as well. Uh, I've got plan C, D, and E as well. So, um, oh, man. I, I, I do that. So, yeah. So this time when I had that partial engine failure on takeoff, the plan B was to land in a paddock, and we talked about that. Um, but the engine produced just enough power. We, we were just clipping the trees nearly as we, we took off. And uh, I was out at a little airport west of Sydney, which is no longer there, called Hoxton Park Airport. And there was a hill at the end. And I remember looking across at the guy that I was training with. Um, he was actually working with me at Qantas now. Uh, and I think his eyeballs were the size of saucers as we were. <laughs> and I'm sure mine were too. Uh, as we as we nearly clipped the trees, but wow. we made enough power to to get altitude to get around and land. I didn't think we got above about two hundred feet. Normally you're at a thousand feet, um, but constantly looking, you know, if this engine was to quit now, where am I going? Where was my plan B? My Good. plan A is to get back to the airport, but I was just literally flying from paddock to paddock, looking oh. at where we could go. So. Wow. Yeah, that was quite a moment. Uh, and when the wheels touched down after that, uh, there was a huge sigh of relief. Um, and that was quite a while ago now. I think I was all of about 20 years of age. And that, and that was one of those experiences that I really didn't want to have happen again. Yeah, um, yeah but that, that's that's it. Like in life, it's just having your plan B, um, making sure that you, you don't put all your eggs in one basket, so to speak. And it gives you some some sense of comfort knowing that if it turns bad, then it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine that that would be a great approach in paramedicine as well, constantly Absolutely. risk mitigating, thinking what could the yeah. worst be here and how do I prepare? Is, yeah. Is that correct? So mm. It is. And, and it's almost like the mantra of I'm, I'm hoping for the best, but I'm planning for the worst. Mm. That's what I think. That's really, in summary, how it works. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And what? Um, are, sorry, Sean. Yeah. What are the ways? No, what are the ways in which you do that uh, as a paramedic? So I I constantly review things. Like I'm finding, even though I'm finished the course, there's still so much to learn, and there's still so much to revise um, because I, I can't remember everything. I think unless you've got a photographic memory, which I don't, I've got to constantly go over things. Um, so I will spend you know, potentially before a shift, an hour, maybe two hours if I'm getting into it, uh, just learning about other things. I'll ask people. Um, we, we forget there's other people with a lot of experience out there to ask as well. So rehearsing things. If I'm sitting at an event, for example, uh, I'm, I'm working with some very experienced um, paramedics that have been in the, the state system. And I'll just sit there and say, hit me with some scenarios. Mm. Just let's go over things together. 
uh, gives me a chance to pick their brains. They've been doing it for 30 plus years. Um, what a resource to have next year and not use. Uh, so that's how I prepare. I read, I talk to people, I ask questions. I think about scenarios myself. What would I do if this happened? So it's a, it's a constant, constant process to, to improve yourself. And you're never going to know everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, it's, um, it's interesting to note that you are able to become a paramedic from the, de- the diploma. Um, can yeah. you even, obviously, you're obviously putting a lot of extra time and learning into that. How did you go get that process through with just doing the diploma yeah. to become a paramedic? So you needed to get 1,700 hours of uh, paramedic experience as well. Okay. So fortunately where I'm working, it's provided that uh, that opportunity. Um, I'm, I'm actually, uh, I haven't quite got it yet. I'm nearly there um, because I've been, I was a bit slow because I was working as a pilot, but uh, now I'm getting the hours up. Poor I'm nearly finished, so I'll be, I'll be finished at 1,700. So I've got um, provisional registration under under the organization i'll have full registration in about a month or two that's it um so the diploma does give you that opportunity but I, I, it's changing because i think you've only got till uh the end of next year i believe to get that 1700 hours to get to be able to get full registration uh, otherwise you'll have to go down the degree path mm. but i'm also thinking of doing that anyway um just again to further education just to learn more um, and I think having the diploma under my belt having some experience yeah brings a lot more context into the degree so I think the step is not going to be as huge I'm not quite uh, as daunted by the study as I was when I first started off with the diploma there's a lot of familiarity about things now so that diploma has really set me up it's the diploma plus the experience and, and the ongoing learning I think you can't just think complete this complete the course and think that's it right because it's not it's not enough it gives you a license to learn more i love that yeah that that approach a license to learn more (laughs) Mm. yeah yeah and that's what that's the approach i take Mm. it's just learning more that's why i ask these guys i i quiz them i ask them we run scenarios i read books i talk to doctors i'm um, you know, getting involved in, in human factors training with, with medicine now. Uh, a lot of the doctors are interested in how we do things in aviation. So I'm putting together some courses on that. Um, uh, yeah, working with uh, some emergency specialists and anesthetists, which has been awesome. Yeah. Oh, wow. Man, rubbing shoulders, man. Uh, that's. <laughs> that's you know what? I think it. if we all learn from each other, it, it's just a great place to be in. That's what I'm, I'm using. They learn from me, I learn from them. Sure. And at the end of it, we're all, we're all better off. Yeah. So, has there been some, a significant moment in your career as a pilot um, that it may be something simple, it may be something more complex? A, a moment that's given you great satisfaction and a sense of, wow, this, is, this has all been worth it. Yeah. I, I can, I can, I can actually tell you the most defining moment for that, and wow. uh, that was the day I became a captain. Uh, the day that I became a captain, an international captain, uh, that was pretty amazing. It was such hard work to get there. Uh, it took me, and I, I went fairly quick. There's some people that you know, it's not by, it's not got anything to do with their ability. It's just this, the the industry cycle of, of supply and demand. But I was very fortunate to become a captain after 12 years with Qantas. Uh, I remember my, my training to be a captain was just grueling. Uh, I, I was studying two hours a day for a year before I even started the training uh, because I was so determined to pass. I wanted to pass it straight up. And um, it, was, it was during the Sydney Olympics and uh, I was confined to a study and I missed out on all of the Olympics because it was on when I was in the middle of my training. Wow. And um, I remember doing my flying and I had to do, I think, about five flights where the Czech captain was assessing me. Uh, it was at the end of the training. I was exhausted. And I did this flight from Perth into Singapore. And I remember landing and I 
I felt that was a good flight. I did a good landing and I taxied off and this guy wasn't saying anything. And I thought, surely I, he, I've got to have passed. And he's not saying a word. And I thought, oh, then you start to self-doubt. Then you start to think, have I missed something that was obvious, but I haven't seen it yet? And we pulled up at the gate in Singapore and I shut the engines down and still nothing. And I, I started to think the worst. I, feel, I felt my shoulders slump down thinking, oh, no, I haven't made it after all this work that I put into it. Uh, and then I went to put my, um, my airport charts away and the little manual that we had at the time. And then I felt this uh, tap on the shoulder. And I turned around and he said, you might have missed out on the Olympics, but here's your gold. And he handed me four gold bars, which was the, the captain insignia. And he said, well wow. done, captain. And I went, oh, just about collapsed <laughs> with relief. Uh, it was an amazing moment for me. Um, yeah, it was quite surreal. And I walked around. I remember walking around Singapore the next day in a, in, a, in a daze. Just couldn't believe it had happened. So, yeah, that was back in 2000 that had occurred, September 2000, I remember. Mm. Um, yeah, quite, a, quite an amazing moment. Probably the most amazing moment. That and when I, when I got into Qantas, that was pretty cool. Oh, mm. and one more. Sorry, I'm going on. Uh, when Please I first do. Went, my, my first solo. First flew an airplane by myself. That was pretty uh, defining. How old well. were you when that happened? Uh, I was 18 when I went first solo. Yeah, wow. Wow. Uh, started flying 17. Didn't get my driver's license. The driver's license story was funny as well. If you want to hear it, um, please. Yeah, I, for sure. I, I remember getting my commercial pilot's license uh, when I was 19, and um, I still hadn't bothered to get my uh, driver's license yet. So. Uh, what had happened was all my <laughs> friends had got cars and I had no money for cars because I went on lessons. So uh, I used to get public transport, ride my push bike or a train. So um, I thought my, my L's had expired the first time and then I thought, oh, I can't let it happen again. That's just too embarrassing. So I went in. I had a week, about a week to go before they expired the second time. So I thought I better do some driving lessons. So uh, Monday morning I signed up to start and then... I, I booked my test in for that Friday. And uh, so one week, one whole week of lessons, that, that was enough. But back in the day, you could get away with it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I got into the car on the Friday morning, ready to do my test. And mind you, by this stage, I'd done lots of flying tests and high pressure and so on. So it wasn't too bad. But the driving examiner on the day, um, making small talk, uh, he said, um, so what do you do for a living? And I said, oh, I'm a commercial pilot. And he just turned around, looked at me, he said, what are you doing here? He said, if you can fly a plane, you can drive a car, let's go back. And that was my driving test. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't get away with that now, but that's what happened. Oh, classic. <laughs> yeah. We won't so tell anyone, funny. don't worry. No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> too long. The records have probably been destroyed now anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, it was quite funny. Yeah, it was a long time ago. <laughs> oh, that's so yeah. cool. So that was good. So, yeah, I've had a few of those defining moments. Yeah, first solo, getting into Qantas and becoming a captain. They were, they were really amazing. Yeah. So what's your greatest joy about what you do? I'd like to know um, flying but also now in your new role um, as, a, as a paramedic, can you talk about what – what drives you? What gives you that, that yeah. joy and sense of satisfaction? Um, it, it's helping people, you know, being there for people. Um, you know, they're sick people. They're very unwell. Um, and if I can make a difference to them, I've only got them for, you know, maybe a couple of hours at the most. But if, if I can have that interaction with them where I'm looking after them and I'm, and I'm able to talk to them and even if it's just to take their mind off what's occurring for that short time, then that's worth it. The other thing that I see is that there are a lot of really unwell people, a lot of people that aren't well off at all, um, you know, just in terms of their socioeconomic position. And it really drives home to me what I do have. You know, I have my health. Uh, I have a roof over my head. I can comfortably put food on the table for me and my family. And I really... Um, appreciate that more and so not only being able to try and help people look after them make a very small difference to them and it is only small uh, if I can do that 
and I can appreciate what I have, then that's all worthwhile. You know, um, I, I don't do this for any other reason other than it's 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 rewarding for me. You know, it's not the stuff that you'll make a TV show out of, but it makes a difference to that person that I'm with. Uh, and if I can do that, it makes me pretty happy. You know, if I can see them smiling and thanking us for, for, for the time that I've had with them and getting them, you know, from a hospital to a nursing home safely and we've been able to care for them, uh, then that's great. That's what I do it for. Wow. It's awesome. That's amazing. and It's um, really awesome. I'm, I'm going to go th- a bit of a tangent here. I'm kind mm. of curious. You mentioned your family here. Yeah. And it, it has has any of your your kids or gone into that same pr- profession? Have they kind of followed, no, followed along? No, they're, they're interested. Like my youngest daughter is a little, she was interested in flying. I think she's still interested in flying, but she looks at how much it's going to cost and it's like, no, it's just too hard. So <laughs> Things are a lot different than they maybe used to be when you first started? Yeah, I or? think so. Yeah. And she's she's a, she's a expressed interest in, in potentially looking at, you know, patient transport officer, paramedic. I, I, she's still finding her way a little bit. But certainly, if I can be a role model to them, yeah. that, that they can achieve whatever you want to achieve. Don't let people tell you that you can't do something. I started studying paramedicine at 47. Mm. Um, five years ago, I'm 52 now. Uh, that's quite late in life to start something completely new. Um, but I, I just would say to people, if you if you think you want to do it, just do it. Um, and if you're motivated to do it and you want to learn, don't mm. let anyone put you off because it's such a great opportunity, even if nothing comes of it. Uh, just to be able to learn something new is an amazing experience. Mm. It opens your eyes to things. So, and that's what I'm trying to say to my kids. Like, you, 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 if you want to do something, throw your heart and soul into it. Be the best you can. I don't want you to be the best in the world. I just want you to be the best you can be. And oh. if you can be the best you can be, then that's all you need to do. Mm. Uh, and everyone's different. But never yeah. let anyone tell you you can't do something because you can if you want it bad enough. Yeah, well, and you're a great role model to mm. to not only the the, the students who, who probably might be tuning into the to this uh, this this uh, podcast and others out there um, of of the attitude um, and I think the the humility it takes to be a constant learner even after all your achievements. Yeah. it's pretty. Uh, it's uh, it's really. Well, well, I'm example. humbled by the people I see, you know, yeah. the people I work with, the people I I, 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 I help as a paramedic, you know, yeah. it's, I, I look at, I look at them and I just, I am, I'm just so humbled by what I see and it's just amazing, inspirational, you know, I find inspiration in others mm. and uh, it drives me forward. Now, Sean, you're clearly, clearly an enthusiast, um, you're also an avid scuba diver, I understand. Yeah, um, yeah. And and has your uh, your skills and, and knowledge in, in paramedicine um, assisted you in it's, that endeavour as well? Uh, oh, it's it's I haven't fortunately had to use it yet, which is great. Uh, but I'm prepared, uh, and we're looking up at setting up some more um, some education with some of the the divers that I dive with and. You know, I, I really enjoy it. It's just, just one of the things I do. I No one can talk to me. There are no phones. There's no anything that can disturb me down there. Um, huh. And I love it. Yeah, it's great. But I haven't I haven't had to use it, but I've certainly been able to put together, uh, you know, some, some equipment and, and processes that, that if something were to happen, I'm a lot more prepared than I would have been in the past, that's for sure. Yeah. Wow. I understand you're also volunteering... As a firefighter, is that I, true? I just started. Yeah, my. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I think we I, might need I, another hour for this interview no, just to, to talk I, I about all the other I, things you're up to. <laughs> well, I've only just started, so it's only very new for me. But I, I just thought, you know, there's got to be, you know, some community service that I can do to help as well. Um, it's unpaid, so that's that's real giving, right? When I don't get paid for what I do, that's real service, and that's what I wanted to do. Uh, and the other reason is my daughter's just joined up, my youngest daughter, and it was like an opportunity for us to do something together and do a bit of bonding, you know. Um, 
and and I'm really enjoying it. And there's some great people down there as well. Um, I'm I'm loving learning again something else, and you know, and I can bring the paramedical paramedical stuff into that because they look at you and if you've got first aid, yeah, I've got I've got a little bit more than first aid, so we can then start to look at helping out in that capacity because you're, you're exposing yourself. You know, it's, it's heat, heat exhaustion, burns. You can trip over things. Things can fall on you. There's a lot of risks out there from a from a paramedic's perspective. And yeah, if I can be some assistance in that in that role, uh, then that's awesome. So again, it's the paramedic stuff has just been kind of useful everywhere, everywhere really. Um, diving, the firefighting, you know, on aeroplanes, mm. shopping centres. You just never know. Yeah, it's awesome. How do you how do you balance your time, uh, family? <laughs> I mean, you alluded to hey, um, you've got your daughter in as yeah, well yeah. with the the Royal yeah. Fire Brigade. Um, but the timing is good. I I just I try to get organised. Like I'll get up early. You know, if I wake early, I might I might you know read a textbook or something for an hour or two, and then have breakfast. Or it's just time management, really. Uh, mm. You know, like I've been down here in Coomera in a hotel, so I've managed to get a whole bunch of stuff done on my downtime. So instead of sitting there watching TV, yeah, I'll I'll work, um, and I find that quite relaxing as well. Well, and I'll keep fit. I try and keep fit. That also helps. Uh, keeps my body and mind in, in in sync. So I, yeah, it is all about time management. Yeah, and and prioritizing. Yeah, I think you're right. I think if we if we all calculated the maybe the amount of time we spent on Netflix and all the yeah. other other things that kind of we social media that we can just lose time in, we could put that energy yeah. that focus into like you said yeah. that that uh, I guess that. Um, characteristic of curiosity that you have this I, I'm going to use this time to learn something new to be curious and keep on my toes and yeah and and, and it's enjoyable when, when it you is. get the time yeah. to do it you make it sound so so inviting to just sign up for another university course or, yeah. or a diploma most people yeah. just the last thing on their mind is going back yeah. to school but I love the way that you approach it and I think that's I think it's really I think it's really important for people is is you want to enjoy what you're learning yeah. you don't want to just kind of like you said this is just the thing to do to to get my qualifications it's that's it's right the journey in the process as well and i think you've really highlighted that point that if if i do things and learn about things that i love to do then it's not it's not a chore mm. um and that's important like again the, the message i'm sending to my kids is that You've got to pick something that you love because you're going to wake up every day, and you're going to you're going to do this thing, whatever it is you choose. So why don't you choose something that you, you're going to be satisfied with? It's going to provide enjoyment. We all have our moments. Don't get me wrong, but but by and large, if that's what floats your boat, then yeah. go for it. And it's not hard to study something that you you are interested in. Mm. I would struggle with certain aspects of study, things that I'm not interested in. But that's just me. I'm interested in certain things, I'll go for it. And that makes the study easy. Yeah. yeah. And it makes the sacrifice worth it, right, in the end. Obviously, you're going to have to give up so. things you'd much rather be doing surfing or on the yeah. weekends and, yeah. and going to the Olympics. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and look, you don't have to give it all up. It's yeah. just finding a, a good balance. Uh, you don't have to give up watching a movie. You don't have to give up going out with your friends or, or doing a sport or whatever. You don't have to give up any of that. It's just being smart with the way you utilize your time mm. and if you do that then you can have both so i'm i'm still curious because i'm sure someone like you right now COVID 19 you've obviously put some energy towards your your paramedic um uh work now but are you cooking anything else up is there anything else that you kind of, what's on the future? Is there anything you're planning down the line that you just love to do? Is there anything else that mm. that Sean Golding has is, is got another challenge or adventure or, or something that you'd like to achieve that you're going to set your mind to? Yeah, I, I'm kind of getting into, at the moment, the, the human factors training with, with medicine. Uh, I see, you know, an opportunity there for, for improvement and I see 
uh, an opportunity for me, having my experience now in in in, in the health system and uh, in hospitals and and doing this kind of work, that I've got more context to bring my flying experience into that, and that's what I'm I'm currently working on. Um, just putting together some training programs that we might be able to get out there and share what we've learned in aviation to medicine. And if we can do that, then again, it just makes it makes medicine even more robust and stronger and mm. and and safer. And if I can bring that into the into the equation, then that's awesome. So I love studying that. So that's what I'm doing. That's what's cooking behind the scenes at the moment. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. Mate. It is. It's really, really cool. So yeah, I Dr. can't wait Sean, to start. Doctor Sean <laughs> Golding. I don't. I don't think I'll uh, ever be a doctor. Uh, <laughs> mate, you, you uh, keep I, on your trail of curiosity. I think you, there's no end to uh, <laughs> to where you could go. Either that, or you'll be on Elon Musk's next SpaceX expedition <laughs> to Mars. I think all that too. I don't know. And you, you you appeared on 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 Sunrise. Yeah. Now you've yeah. you're on Changing Lives podcast. Yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, of uh, media appearances, um, there's also uh, a whole wide world out there now. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I Oprah was in touch with us. She did want you on, but I <laughs> I, I told her that she's just going to have to this like, is our you scoop. Know, let you kind of enjoy this moment of fame before you kind of go down a little bit and yeah, lower your standards, you know. but. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on, mate. I know you you you're busy on work. You you're about ready to head out and. Uh, oh no, that's been my pleasure. It's been awesome speaking with you guys and uh, you know sharing the stories and hopefully, you know, we can get people thinking about what they can do and and to follow their dreams and mm. and uh, you know make a difference. You know, do something for yourself, but do something for others as well. It's just a great feeling. Excellent, Sean. Thanks so much. Have a great day at work. Thanks very See much, you guys. Later. Okay, see ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Changing Lives, brought to you by Australian Paramedical College. If you're enjoying our podcast, please consider rating it, leaving a review or sharing it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe to stay tuned for all future episodes. Did you know we're also on YouTube? Search for Changing Lives Podcast and you can watch our episodes in HD video, see the studio and put a face to a name. Speaking of studios, this podcast was filmed, recorded and produced by Make Media Studios. Special thanks to our audio-visual engineer and editor, Jose Biotto. And as always, it has been great to be with you. Until next time, don't stop changing lives. <laughs>